Well, the first thing I preached was basically giving you instruction on how to succeed in life. But I've been on the subject of deliverance for the last uh, two weeks. This is our third week. And I want to speak to you along the lines of deliverance. And this is part three. Amen. Amen. Today, I want to speak to you on what I entitled victor or victim. I know that what I am teaching goes against popular opinion. I know I am swimming against the current. Some may even say that I'm ignorant of the power of the devil in places like Africa. Because when you begin to talk about deliverance like I've been presenting it, some people might think I am ignorant of the power of the enemy in places like Africa and the Philippines and other places where the power of the devil is more entrenched. But I need you to understand that I'm not ignorant. I think I've been able to understand some things about the demonic and I've seen some things about the demonic growing up as a kid. Are you listening now? What I'm presenting to you here in this message is the truth of the word of God. And I've told you, I told you when I started that I'm going to look at verses and scriptures because it's important that we build this message not on popular opinion, but on what the word of God says. So I am fully aware of the fact that there are places where the demonic uh, where demonic activities are more prevalent. I understand that. That is why I have said to you many times that the devils in Africa drink blood. I've said that many times. The devils in the West drink Fanta, Coca-Cola, Iran. <laughs> so we understand that the devils... In some of the western countries are those that could not make it in Africa. So we know that. I mean, you know that I'm a big, I'm a big believer in this stuff. I, I understand that. But it's important that we also understand the place of the church. The position of the believer must be understood. I don't care how powerful the devil is. He is not as powerful as the believer. I don't care how strong the devil is. He is not stronger than the believer in Christ. Who knows his authority? Who knows his place? It's important we settle this once and for all. We must stop believing the lie. Because you look at some Christians today, they're running like a chicken with his head chopped off. They don't know which way is up. That's the reason why I believe the Lord has brought this message to us. Because he wants you to understand your place, your position, and what belongs to you in the new covenant. When I started, I said we shall look at deliverance from the eye of the cross. The cross of Christ. What is available to us today. I'm not going by some Old Testament verses that does not apply to us today. Yes, there was a time when man was under the oppression and the dominion of the kingdom of darkness. But I made that very clear last week that a believer in Christ is no more under the dominion of darkness. The verse in Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 came alive in me when I read this sometime in the past. And I can't afford to think contrary to what the Bible says. I'm a big believer in what God's word says. 
Christ hath redeemed us. Come on now, say amen. amen. We have been redeemed. We have been redeemed. That's a very weak amen. <laughs> so the church does not fully understand the authority we have in Christ because some people have perpetuated this false deliverance message which strips people of their victor position and puts them into this victim position. I am not a victim. I am a victor. Amen. Tell two people I'm not a victim, I'm a victor. I'm not a victim. I'm not a victim to the kingdom of darkness. I'm not a victim to demons. I'm not a victim to demonic activities. I'm not a victim to witches and wizards. I am a victor. Christ has made me a victor. Praise God. Now, as we continue looking at the subject on deliverance, I want us to understand that some people were delivered in the ministry of Jesus and in the ministry of the apostles. So let's look at that. So we can ask the question, who did Jesus and the apostle deliver? I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list today, but when you look through the, 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 the New Testament, you will realize that there is just one common denominator. Those that were delivered under the ministry of Jesus, those that were delivered under the ministry of the apostles were unbelievers. That is the common denominator. They were all unbelievers. No Christian went through any kind of deliverance in the new covenant. Because we have people today running from deliverance service to deliverance service. We have people saying that they have all kinds of curses on their lives and those curses need to be broken. But my question to you is this, when Jesus set you free, did he set you free to an extent? Or did he set you free completely? So when Jesus brought you out of darkness, Colossians 1.13, God had delivered us from the power of darkness. The word power there is the word exousia, which is the same, the same word in the Greek used in the book of John chapter 1 verse 12, where it says he came to his own and his own did not receive him, but to as many as received him, to them gave he power. The word is exousia, which is, which is uh, right, right, to become the sons of God, even to those that believe in his name. So the right that the enemy had over you was removed. Oh my God. The right the enemy had over you was removed. The, the enemy had right over you. Why? Because when Adam committed what, what is called uh, 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 high treason, when he exchanged his place with the devil, the devil from that day had authority over men. But don't forget, Jesus came. That's the game changer. Jesus did what? Jesus came. Now, if Jesus had not come, you and I would still be under the thumbs of the devil. But Jesus came and brought us out from under the control. The word there also is control. He hath delivered us from the power, all the control, all the influence of the devil. And he has translated us. Into the kingdom of his dear son. The Bible says in verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sin. So we were delivered. 
But I can tell you it was not 99.9% deliverance. It was 100%. When he brought you out from the kingdom of darkness, he didn't leave your, one of your... <laughs> no, he didn't do that. He brought you out totally. He brought you out completely. That's a good place to say praise the Lord. Because, see, the message on deliverance in a lot of places has, has messed up so many people. So many people are so messed up. They think they are still living under a generational curse, family bloodline, and um, all of that. And I was able to establish last week, yes, it says in Exodus 20, it tells us that those that hate the Lord and give themselves to the worship of devils, that... There's a curse upon their lives to the fourth generation. But it says to the fourth generation of those that hate me. But the blessing is to a thousand generation of those that love me. So then I submitted to you that I do not hate God. If my parents were into idol worship does not mean that I carry the curse of my parents... Because I have given my heart to Jesus. Pastor God, we know you don't get it. Okay, give me the scriptures now so that I can get it. Give me scriptures. Give me New Testament scriptures. Please don't go back to the old covenant now. Give me New Testament scriptures. Don't give me one now. Give me two or three. By the word of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. So give me two, three scriptures that shows you under the new covenant that your father's curse is upon your life. Yes. Show me one word it says that the curse of your father is upon you. Some of you are thinking now. <laughs> because this is the nonsense that has been believed. And we can't be talking about setting the captives free when we have not been set free. We can't be talking about setting the bound loose when we still think we are bound. We can't be talking about bringing people out of a well when we still think we are in the well. If you've not been set free, how can you set other people free? It's only those that are being set free that can set others free. Those that are bound cannot set the bound free. Jesus was not bound, that's why he set the bound free. Paul was not bound, that's why he set the bound free. Peter was not bound, that's why he set the bound free. Come on now, say amen. amen. But if we keep believing we are bound, we have curses on our lives, and the curse on our father is upon us and upon our children, then we are not free. But the Bible says that whom the Son therefore shall set free, <coughs> it's free indeed. Praise the Lord. <coughs> so did God or did Jesus set people free? Yes, he did. Did the apostles set people free? Yes, they did. Mark chapter 5. Look at Mark chapter 5, verse 1. It says, And they came over onto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because, 
uh, that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. I remember preaching in the river in Ibadan, Nigeria, and as I was going around praying for people, just putting my hands on people and laying hands and praying, and I, I got to this row of seats, and I put my hand on this girl, and the moment I did, boom, she fell out, and she began to manifest. And some ushers had to help keep her down, because the strength she was exercising was stronger than about four or five ushers. Because in her was a demon. Are you listening now? The Bible tells us here of this man, it says that they've bound him many times with chains and with ropes, and the man broke the chains and broke the ropes. That was superhuman feat. Just as the anointing would come upon Samson, and Samson would do things that the natural man could not do. The devil also has his own anointing. Corrupted anointing. Are you listening to me now? When the Spirit of God comes upon a man, he enables a man to do the things that a man could not do. Is that correct? That's why we say the anointing is the equipment to get the job done. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So also when a demon comes upon a man or is within a man, the demon enables the man to do the things that the man could not do in the natural. So we see here in this case that this, this man who was possessed with demons had the ability to break off chains, had the ability to break off ropes. They couldn't keep the man. The man was driven into the graveyard by demons. So this man was bound. Is that correct? So this girl in Ibadan, uh, in the church I was preaching at three years ago, was bound too. And I put my hand and prayed for her. And cut a long story short, the Lord set her free. She was totally delivered from demons. And I discovered at the end of the service that she was a Muslim girl who came to the service for the first time. And that was how the Lord set her free. I led her to the Lord and she gave her heart to Christ. After the service, I was walking out of the church with my host and we're walking to the car. The girl runs to me and she begins to thank me. Thank you so much for coming. Are you here? Are you here? So we see here, verse 4, because he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. So we see that demons can actually enable people to do things that they could not do physically in the natural. Verse 5 says, And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. What a bad state to be in. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Everyone say he ran. Now I want you to also know that even in the extreme case of demonic possession, the victim still has some level of control over his own will. You didn't get that. Even in the extreme case of demonic possession, the victim still has some level of his own will. He's still in control of his own will to an extent. I heard the story of this woman who demons would tell to do stuff. And when demons told her to do stuff, she just went ahead and did what the demons told her. But she was interviewed and she said, there has been times that I told them I'm not going to do it. Are you hearing me? She said, there were times I told them, no, I'm not going to do it. She actually refused to do what the demons told her to do. 
See, the demonic activity in this day is at an all-time high. And if you think you're going to be a weak Christian who shows up on Christmas Day alone, who shows up on Easter, who shows up when there is a baby dedication, you wouldn't make it. I'm telling you now, you have to be on fire for God. You have to be totally sold out to God. You have to be completely sold out to God and to His Word, to the things of God. You cannot be one foot in the world and one foot in the church. The devil will eat you for breakfast. Come on now, I'm preaching good. If you think uh, uh, you're, you're just going to sleep and wake up and do your stuff and you don't even spend time to pray, you don't spend time in the Word, the enemy is going to ruin your life. You won't have what it takes to fight back. Because some people think the church is fire service. When things get worse, they run to church. God, Jesus is not your insurance card. The devil does not respect you because you shout Jesus. Seven sons of Sceva tried it. Come out in the name of Jesus that Paul preached. Now we're not coming out. Jesus I know. Paul I know. Who, who are you? Who, who are you? <laughs> Pastor Corey I know. Pastor Godwill I know. Pastor, Pastor Hamdi I know. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen guys You have to live in such a way Where you are totally, totally detached from evil Totally detached Totally separated from every filth If you would have authority over the devil You must be clean Ah, oh, it's getting this church, man, they're not even excited anymore, but I'll keep preaching it. I'll keep preaching it. The truth shall set somebody free here this day. Amen. Verse 7 says, and, and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, Son of, son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Un Everyone say unclean. unclean. See, you see now, the spirit was unclean. So we can't be touching unclean stuff and expect to stay clean. Amen. I'm preaching good. <laughs> so we know this man was not a believer. So he was what? Set free. But he was set free because he was bound. He was bound because he was not a believer. And when Jesus set him free, I don't want to read the whole thing. You can read it in your spare time. You find out the man was sitting in his right mind at the foot of Christ. At the feet of Christ, sorry. Sitting at the feet of Christ. And when people came and saw this man who was bound, sitting at the feet of Christ in his right mind, it shocked them. Because you see now, listen to me now. When Jesus sets you free, it sets you free completely. The man said to Jesus, can I follow you? I want to follow you. I want to go preach with you. Jesus said, no, go and tell your friends and your family the things that God has done for you. How great he has shown you mercy. 
Come on now, say amen. amen. How he has had compassion on you. Do you think when Jesus set him free that day, Jesus took out some of the devils and left some? No, no he took all the devils out. The man was totally set free and he did not have to go through any kind of deliverance ever again. What's wrong with some Christians? Why do they think that when Jesus set them free, he did not do a perfect job? And they have to run from one preacher to another, from the one prophet to another, from one apostle to another to set them free. And I heard a story of even, even a pastor who goes through deliverance every year. The be beginning of every year, he goes through deliverance. And my question is deliverance from what? Uh, if you, pastor, is going through deliverance, my God. All your people are in trouble. <laughs> Everyone in your church is in trouble. Deliverance from what? Deliverance from what? Huh? Del del <laughs> deliverance from what? Pastor God, will I need deliverance? Who said you need deliverance? My prophet. Who is he? So, yes, Jesus delivered people. But those that were not saved, he delivered. Because without Christ in your life, you're empty. You, you are... You are a potential house to demons. Hello? Acts chapter 16, verse 16 to 18. Who did they deliver? And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. Notice, the same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which shew unto us the way of salvation. My God. Just, just look at that now. Notice, what this girl said is true. What did she say? These men are servants of the Most High God. Was Paul a servant of God? Yes. These men show us the way of salvation. Was Paul showing them the way of salvation? Yes. So what the girl said is what? It's true. But notice she wasn't speaking by the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know what that tells me? You know what that tells me? Not everyone is speaking by the Holy Ghost. Even though they give you your phone number and tell you your bank account and they tell you where you live... And they tell you the name of your father. They tell you how this happened in 1974. And they tell you all this stuff about your life. And people swallow these things, line, hook, and sinker. And I'm not saying there are four, there are, I'm not saying everyone is a false prophet, but there are some false prophets. I'm not moved by the fact that you can tell me my phone number. I'm not moved by the fact that you can tell me the, 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 card on my, the number on my debit card. I'm not moved by that. The Bible says to test every spirit. Come on now, say amen. amen. Believe not every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.15, the spiritual man judges all things, but he himself cannot be judged. The word to judge here is to discern. The spiritual man needs to be able to discern. Is this of God or not? Come on now, say amen. Amen. The nonsense that's taking place in the name of deliverance, bring this item, bring that item, bring this oil, and bring that bottle, and bring this, bring some salt, and bring, no, rubbish. Rubbish. Bring sand from your village. Bring a, A lot of things happen. Sometimes, you know, you, you just need to ask yourself the question, it's all, is this scriptural? Is this scriptural? What have I believed? What am I practicing? Is this biblical? The Bible says in verse 18, And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. So Paul perceived that she was not speaking by the Holy Ghost, even though she was telling the fact. Come on now, say amen. amen. I think, well, I believe one of the biggest things we need today in the body of Christ is the ability to discern. Yes. Uh-huh. We have to be able to discern. People are so deceived. Deception runs rampant today. People are so deceived. And some, some of the deception is staring you in the face, but you just don't see it. And I don't understand why you don't see it. We have to, to discern in these last days. We have to discern in these last days. And the more you spend time in the presence of God... And I'm not talking about in church. The more you spend time in the presence of God alone, the more you spend time in His Word, the more sensitive you become. It's unfortunate that people live vicariously through other people. That's unfortunate. People, People want others to live the life for them. Like the guy who said to me, Pastor, pray and fast for me. I said, no, I'm not going to fast for you. Fast for yourself. You fast for yourself, Pastor, fast for me. Why should I fast for you? Why should I fast? I want to eat. I want to eat. You fast for yourself. So we see that through the entire New Testament, we discover that the only people delivered or deliverance was carried out upon were unbelievers. So we conclude that these two examples here, though not an exhaustive list, falls into the category as other deliverances you see in the New Testament, all have a common denominator, which is none of the people delivered were believers. Can we agree with that? None was a believer. Can someone say amen? amen? Now, based on the word of God, we have been delivered. But why is it that many Christians today are still under the influence and oppression of the demonic? Number one reason is ignorance. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. The Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed for a lack of what? Knowledge. Destroyed for a lack of knowledge. 
Now, I'm going to read Psalms 82. I want you to listen carefully to this. Psalms 82, verse 5 to 7. This is what I consider the father of biblical revelation, touching who we are in Christ. Listen to this, Psalms 82, verse 5 to 7. It says from verse 5, they know not, so they are ignorant. Neither will they understand, they are ignorant. They walk on in darkness. All the foundation of the earth are out of course. Verse 6, look at verse 6. I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are the children of the Most High. I have said, you are gods. All of you are the children of the Most High. If we are the children of the Most High God, it means we are what? I see they can't even say it. See, they can't even say it. You see, they can't even say it. You see, they can't even say it. Now, a goat will give birth to. A dog will give birth to. A lion will give birth to. And God gave birth to. Some people are so afraid to say, look at this section here. I don't know. You, you guys are too, you were scared. You couldn't say it. God gave birth to. Pastor God will How can I say that? That's hard to say. Yes, it's hard to say because of the religious brainwash. And that's why I'm, I'm showing you what the Bible says. God says, I have said, ye are gods, and all of ye are the children of the Most High. I am like my father. But because you don't know, because you don't understand, verse 7 says, but ye shall die like men, even though you are a God. Because ignorance is the problem. Ye shall die like men, and you shall fall like like one of the princes. Listen to what God said to Moses when he went to Egypt. He said, I have made you a God unto Pharaoh. I've made you a God. You, you, you are a God to Pharaoh. You think Moses just went into Egypt as a man? If he did, my God, they would have eaten him for breakfast. He went into Egypt like a God. God said, I have made you a God to Pharaoh. You are a God to Pharaoh. So when you speak to Pharaoh, speak to him like God will speak to him. Ecclesiastes 10, 5 to 7. There is an evil which I have seen under the sun, as an error which proceeded from the ruler. Folly is set in great dignity, and the rich sit in low place. Watch this. I have seen servants upon horses, and princes walking as servants upon the earth. This is an abomination. (laughs) This is an abomination. The sons of God running around like worms. The sons of God that are supposed to rule and reign and walk in dominion. Carry themselves like mere human. And allow witches and wizards and and, uh, curses and all this stuff to have dominion and rule their lives. And they are afraid and they are running scared. And they say, the devil is after me. Pastor God will help me. Come on, wake up and realize who you are. You are gods. You have dominion. You have authority. 
And until you realize this, the devil will rub you blind. You've got to realize who you are. You've got to realize who God has made you. You've got to realize who you are connected to. I don't have to be the president of any nation, but if I'm connected to the president, guess what? I don't have to be the king, but if my father is the king, guess what? Come on now. What's wrong with you? It's interesting when you preach this message, some people sleep. So a believer who is deficient of the word is deficient of truth. Therefore, ignorance runs rampant. And, and this is what gives the enemy a foothold in his life. There's something about knowing who you are in Christ and what you possess in redemption that puts the devil to run and dispels darkness. Something about knowing who you are. Think about a low-rank officer telling a general what to do. You laugh because you know it's absurd. It can happen. The low rank officer tells the general, run there, get me a cup of coffee. You go, no, the general is the one who tells the low rank officer what to do. And I'm, I'm looking at generals this morning. I say, I'm looking at generals today. Here, here, are, here are generals sitting here. But they just don't realize, some of them don't realize they are generals. I'm here to tell them that they are generals. They, they are not to be pushed around and told to, what to do by the demonic. No, you are generals. You tell the demonic what to do. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Everyone say ignorance. ignorance. That's the problem. That's why, that's why, that's why the believer in Christ, the believer in Christ must make the discovery of himself in the word his top priority. Shall I say that again? The believer in Christ must make the discovery of himself in the word his top priority. That should be your number one priority. That should be what you're going after you should be looking at the word to find out who you are. Amen. Discover yourself in his word. Amen. And that will be the devil's undoing. Amen. Praise God. Amen. I get calls a lot. I get people tell me, Pastor, I saw this dream. What if you saw a dream? What if you saw a dream? Yeah, but pastor, I saw this dream. This guy was running after me with a stick in his hand. And, and so what? And so what? Wake up and take that stick and... <laughs> take the stick and do something. He... he <laughs> <laughs> so ignorance number two reason why some Christians are still influenced and it seems like their lives are being dominated by the demonic is false doctrine and false practices in 2 Timothy 2.15 study to show yourself approved unto God a workman who needed not to be ashamed rightly dividing the word of truth so this is where many have, have, have been hooked 
because they have the, no New Testament biblical understanding of the subject, so they swallow whatever anyone says to them, lying who can think of. So wrong doctrine, wrong practice. Today you have seasonal deliverance. There's nothing like that in the Bible. Today you have specific explanation to some specific dreams. There is nothing like that in the new covenant. Pastor Godwell, you know, I, I saw in, this morning a frog jumping out of the Bosphorus. And uh, when the frog jumped out of the Bosphorus, he jumped onto Jumeria Jadesi. And when he came on this street avenue here, uh, I saw it jump and hop all the way to Taksim Square. What does it mean? It means you add too much fufu. It means you add too much beans before you went to bed yesterday night. It means you had pizza revelation. Don't tell me God is saying anything to you because God isn't. I've heard some of the craziest dreams people have had. And they asked me what it means. I said, I don't know what it means. <laughs> I didn't see the dream. So you find out what it means. <laughs> like, I'm Joseph. I'll interpret the dream now. If it's from God, we would know. There's going to be an anointing on it. Praise God. And it will line up with his word. Huh? And to be honest with you, the only place I saw frogs jumping out of uh, <laughs> was in Egypt. <laughs> frogs jumping out and jumping into the palace of Pharaoh and into the houses of the Egyptians. Are you an Egyptian? <laughs> Praise God. Anybody getting anything today? Good. Good. False doctrine. This dream means this. No, it don't mean that. And if you see any dream that's from God, then you find out from the Holy Ghost what it means. And to be very honest with you, when God speaks to you, He speaks to you in a language you'll understand. God is not about confusing us. What does it mean? Well, God does not go around confusing his people. Praise God. Amen. Special deliverance ornaments. Huh. Water, oil. To ward off the devil. Trinkets. If you put this on. The devil will never come near you. That's a big lie. Put your Bible under your pillow and sleep. The devil will never know. No, the devil will come with your Bible under your pillow. <laughs> I don't even know what he'll do to you. Listen, this word needs to be in your heart. Not under your pillow. Not on the shelf. In your heart, not under your pillow. I put my Bible under my pillow, Pastor. Yet I had a bad dream. Yeah, because the Bible under your pillow do you no good. 
It has to be in your, your word. Have I hid in my heart? Come on now, say amen. amen. Not under my pillow. Put my brother under my pillow. And then when the devil comes, the devil will run away. No. Wear a special trinket. Wear a special ring. No, that, that's, that's talisman. You're now beginning to operate like the demonic. You're using some special things to ward off the devil. No. You don't do that. Praise God. The lady came to me with two big bottles of oil. She said to me, Pastor, pray. I said, no, I'm not praying. Pray, pray for my bottles. I wonder what she was going to do with those bottles, with the oil. Bathe with it, maybe. Drink it sometimes. Pour it on her head. But I just knew. If I prayed, that was going to be an idol for her. Yeah. I said, no, I'm not going to pray over your bottles. I'm sorry. Take your bottles home. Are you going to put your faith in bottles or are you going to put your faith in Jesus? <laughs> the third reason is open doors. I want to say open doors. I've got a few more minutes. Open doors. First Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. So if you want to stay under God's divine protection, you can afford to open doors into your life. You've got to keep every door closed. Praise God. You know, fear is an open door. Anxiety. Get all the stuff out. Resist those things. The devil is going to bring thoughts to your head. How are you going to pay rent? How are you going to do this? How are you going to do that? Get those things out. Fight those things. Resist them. Rebuke the devil. Can someone say amen? amen. In Matthew 6, 25, Jesus himself said, Do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. In Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7, it says, Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for what? For nothing. Be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make a request known to God. And you know what it says will happen if you make a request known to God? It says the peace of God will protect your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Come on now, say amen. amen. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says, Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So when you begin to feel this attack of the enemy in your mind and he begins to try to wear you out and cause you to cave in, resist, resist, take authority. Put your hand on your head and, and just tell the devil, you have no right over my mind. I resist you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. So you can't open your life up through fear and anxiety. Do you know that there, if, if there is a known sin in your life, the door is open? So if there is sin in your life that's not confessed and washed away by the blood of Jesus, that would keep hanging over your life. And then demons have access to you. The Bible says, he that covers his sin will not prosper. 
but he that confesses and forsakes them shall obtain mercy. Praise God. So get rid of everything that's ungodly. Now, if you sin, repent. Repent. Put it under the blood. Let the blood of Jesus wash it away. And then the fourth reason is a lack of the fire of God. No fire, flies are going to be all over the place. <laughs> when you get into the kitchen, you don't do this <laughs> to flies. If you do, they'll come back when you leave. But you put the stove on fire. The flies would not have anywhere to land. You should be the stove on fire. I said, you should be the stove on fire. Amen. Pastor God, I can't sleep well at night. You're cold. Get hot. Get what? Pastor God, will demons torment me at night? You're cold. Get hot. And some of you were hot before, but your fire fizzled out. Get fresh fire. Come on now. Amen. 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 You've allowed worry and life circumstances to cause your fire to die out. I don't care how big the campfire is. If you don't keep throwing logs on it, it will die out. Amen. Come on now. Amen. You've got to keep throwing logs on the fire. You've got to put, keep petrol on the fire. You've got to keep throwing stuff on it. And if you keep throwing logs on it, it will keep, it will keep burning. Amen. Oh, Pastor God, well, I lit my fire two years ago. Well, your fire, <laughs> your fire burnt out last week. <laughs> you need fresh one today. Amen. Amen. That's why I encourage you. Listen, Sunday services, we don't really do justice to the fire. Wednesdays come. Bodies are all on the floor. Fire of God falls. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on Wednesdays. Our Holy Ghost service. You need the fire. You can't even get the fire now. But my God, how much time? No, really. Come on Wednesdays. Don't just come to a service. Prayer meeting on Thursdays. The fire of God will follow you in the prayer meeting. Praise God. So a lack of the fire. And what happens? You find out that your life is under so much demonic stress. You catch on fire. And devils will not be able to touch you. The last, I'm, I'm going to finish with this. The failure to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Mm. Receiving Jesus brings you salvation. Submitting to his authority gives you dominion. <laughs> Stop calling me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I tell you. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit is made Lord, there's liberty. Some people pull Jesus out on the day they need him. Like I said earlier on, he's not your insurance papers. Submitting to the Lordship of Jesus, it's, it's a need. It's a must. You don't own your life anymore. When you gave your life to him, he took your life from the hand of the enemy, and from that day he owns you. It's not enough to say Jesus is my savior. Yes, he saved you, but have you made him your Lord? 
Some people have stopped at salvation, but they've actually not made him Lord. That's why I showed you last week. If you look at Judas Iscariot and study Judas Iscariot, there was no time he called Jesus Master or Lord. He always called him what? Rabbi. <laughs> teacher, teacher. Jesus to him was just a teacher. No wonder he sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Oh, yeah. No wonder the devil entered him during communion. Because Jesus to him was just what? Teacher, rabbi. Jesus was not Lord. It's time to make Jesus the Lord of your life. I know if I give the altar call, many people will say, I've given my heart to Christ. But my question to you this afternoon, have you made Jesus the Lord of your life? Do you do your own things without consulting with him? Do you go your own way? Do you live your life the way you want to live your life? And do you come to church whenever you feel like? Oh yeah, there are people, they come when they feel like. <laughs> it's snowing, I can come. It's raining, I can come. It's, it's, <laughs> it's this. No, you, you, you want to serve God at your convenience. No, you can serve God at your convenience. Because if God was looking at convenience, he wouldn't have died for you. Come on now, when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, let this cup pass over me. Nevertheless, not my will, but let your will be done. If he was looking at convenience, he wouldn't have gone all the way for us. But he went all the way for you and I. Come on now, say amen. amen. You are no more your own, people. Listen to me. You are no more your own. You are God's. You belong to God. If you are a believer in Christ... Understand this once and for all. And if you got nothing from everything I've said, get this. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Amen. You belong to God. Amen. You belong to Him. So live your life like you are owned by somebody. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Many people just run off, do their own thing. People do what they want and then they, they, they come back and, oh, Pastor, help me. How can Pastor help you fix it when you didn't, didn't even consult Pastor when you were making this mistake? And some of you, you get to the place where you get upset with God because you think God is not helping you fix your life in a day that you messed up in five years. I'm sorry. It doesn't work that way. You have to be honest and realize that if you've ruined it for five years, there is grace to fix it. But it takes a while to. And give yourself time. And give God time. Come on now, say Amen. amen. Because if God brought some people out the same day, they will go back into the same mess next month. Pray, pray for me to be free. Well, maybe I shouldn't. Let's see how we walk on you and help you change the way you think. Change the way you believe. Change the way you act. Change the seeds you've been sowing. Yeah, change the way you talk. And let's see how we can bring a change in your life. It might take a month or two or three. It might take a year. Can someone say amen? amen.